drink beer, think beer. You're listening to Brewblood. Friends bring happiness into your life. Best friends bring beer. That is a very fake quote from someone that is extremely fake. Brewblood's episode 126. I'm Mark, and on today's episode, myself, Dustin, and Javi are sitting down at Liquid Growler to look back at 2017, and we do a news roundup to get 2018 started. So let's get down on it. So we are uh, firmly ensconced in 2018, and I think we wanted to talk about. I know it took a while for us to get extremely firm. I mean, uh, we're we're, we're, we're solid three weeks into 2018 at this point. By the time this airs, this will be solid three weeks. We're in Martin Luther King Day uh, weekend, so yeah, it's we're we're halfway Uh, through at the the time of recording this. Yeah, 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 we it took us a while to get around to doing the show, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, true. We got lives. We yeah, got we, that's do. right. We, we took a holiday break. There's we're ballers, bro. That. We're ballers, yeah. We had yeah. to take an extended vacation. We had a lot of personal affairs to wrap up, contracts to sign. Marcus has his urine taxes to do. That's right. Which are massive actually, and plentiful. Actually, we just did pay our, our estimated taxes for oh, there you go. our final payment for 2017. Yeah. So, yes, there was, there was taxes involved. That's that's a baller move to have to pay multiple times uh, your tax. Yeah, bill. I spent an hour today resolving a W two discrepancy. So you know, that sounds fun. It is fun. It's good times. It's yeah. too bad you, you weren't rolling on that, <laughs> so we could go into the podcast. Yeah. It's a real great part of the podcast. <laughs> so I know Javi wanted to do this at the end of last year, but we didn't get a chance because we never recorded an episode at the end of last year mm-hmm. after the Star Wars episode. But true. Whoops. How do you see your beer life changing, or maybe just your drinking life changing in 2018? Do you have any New Year's resolutions, I suppose, in the drinking world? I can say that I found myself, and this kind of goes to just a recap of 2017 also, I found myself kind of moving away from being the kind of an IPA guy to uh, kind of... Which is how you've always introduced yourself in the past. Yeah, exactly. And I've kind of... I feel like I moved on from that. Not necessarily moved on. I still like IPAs, but it's not as much my go-to these days. I kind of like lighter things like Hefeweizens and even Water. maybe Kolsch's every now and again. And um, Or if I want something bigger and bolder, I tend to go for stouts more yeah. uh, than I used to in the past. So I've kind of bridged the gap and gone a little bit over to your side on that. I still, Like I said, I still like an occasional double IPA. I still love the flavor of that, but that used to be like my guaranteed go-to thing. And throughout... Especially the second half of 2017, that just started waning some. I'll you- say I'm, I'm kind of with you there where I, my go-to was usually an IPA, but now, I don't know, man. I think it's just so many brewers are kind of turning them into hot, like very like huge uh, hop bombs. So you like even, fatigue for you? Yeah. I mean, it's just so chewy sometimes, and it's just like not really thirst quenching. So like lately, uh, especially you know in the earlier hotter months, I was leaning more towards uh, well, I mean I guess a session IPA is you know, along those lines, but really sure. Saison's, Farmhouse Ales uh, Sours, those uh, even the Salty Lady which is uh, from Martin House, which is the only Gose yeah. I really like uh, you know, I'm, I've been reaching for that a lot more, or you know, Velvet Hammer if everything fails <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Even ciders, I think it's just because I spent a lot of time at the uh, currently shut down Cider Cade from Bishop Cider, but right. uh, I've got I've gotten a bit of a taste for uh, ciders lately. Yeah, I like that too. I think um, not that IPAs don't vary, but it's a, it's a similar 
flavor palette a lot of times, especially in the double IPA realm. And some of them are harsher than others, and some of them are better than others. But I feel like you get a lot more diversity in the in the stouts and the farmhouse ales. Like you said, even the saisons. I used to hate uh, saisons. I would never would go for those. Yeah. But lately, that that's been a very pleasant kind of refreshing beer. It even, even the lighter ones, like a even a hefeweizen or a Kolsch, especially in the summer. That, that's kind of a nice light refreshing yeah. thing it doesn't have a ton of alcohol in it which is also kind of nice and, and you have i think you have a wider yeah. flavor palette with the lighter beers too the especially with gozas and sours you have a much yeah. wider flavor palette than you you seem to with ipas these days um i feel like ipas as popular as they still are and they still lead the industry i think they have kind of stagnated as a as a uh flavor i mean i appreciate it for, I, I wonder if maybe that's why this new what is a new england ipa is so popular now because it's just like it's a little oh, it's, it's any kind of variation to the yeah. ipa for me i mean i know i was super hyped for the black ipas i still like them but i don't find them that often anymore because i mean they were, yep. yeah they're trendy and i mean in that that's kind of interesting right like that craft beer like has all of these like little mini trends going on around it, especially with when well, it comes to the IPA. It, it, people are constantly on the search for the new hotness, and they want to be, they want to find the indie band that they liked before everybody before that band <laughs> got popular. You know, they want to be, they want to have the cred, the beer cred, and yeah, it just feels yeah, like that's true. I mean, IPAs still lead, but I mean, I, I I like IPAs a lot, but I don't dip into that well as much as I used to, for sure. Yeah, I have some go tos that also have like Community's Mosaic or stuff yeah. like that that. You know, it's just kind of a one-off quick thing. Yeah. I'll definitely do that. But I think what you were talking about there to the new hotness kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to kind of recap from tw- uh, 2017. DFW, and I'm sure everywhere in the nation is probably similar, but around here, I would say November, December, that's when you get all the awesome rare releases. You get the Bourbon Barrel Temptress. You get the uh, Bourbon County, which obviously that, that's everywhere nation, uh, nationwide. Um, Big Bad Baptist has their variants. Um, you know, a lot of rares, uh, the Holiday Bomb from Prairie, mm-hmm. a lot of rares come out uh, at that time. And I feel like in years past, especially, uh, well, really even like a couple years ago, it was really hard to get that stuff. Like, um, just I remember couple- I remember every Black Friday, all yeah. three of us texting or DMing each other on Twitter, like, right, where's... Where's the new uh, the Bourbon County? You know, right. like, where are the varietals? Like, yeah. Well, and yeah, like we were we were out of the country for Thanksgiving week this year. Me and Mark were, and my thought was, well, we won't get any Bourbon County um, unless I go running around for it. Yeah. The Friday we got back just to you know get one or two, and I did that, and I was able to get one or two. But then I found, we're, you know, we're into mid January now. You go to some places like Craft Beer Cellar, which we've done the pairing at, and. The holiday specials are plentiful now, yeah. you know. And before that was not possible. And I guess my question to you guys is: Do you think maybe? Do you think? I know that the DFW beer scene is maturing and getting more intelligent and, and that kind of thing. Do you think maybe we're getting kind of tired of the same holiday releases? Do you think the breweries are maybe amping up production and see that North Texas is a bigger beer market, so they need to have more inventory? Uh, uh, just kind of wondering what you think, what your thoughts are on why maybe that's so much more plentiful than it has been. Uh, you could, uh, I mean, you could. I mean, on the CBS front, for instance, Founders upgrading their facility, that probably helped in production there. Uh, I think probably people have gotten somewhat tired of the Bourbon County 
process of waiting in lines, and so probably also they have that but that Budweiser money. So, right, they were probably. I'm guessing they probably upgraded their facilities, and that's probably helped. Well, now I will say on the Bourbon County front, the variants are still hard to find. Oh, sure, but yeah. the primary is so yeah. plentiful; it's crazy. I, I don't know. Plus, you know, Bourbon County had that big screw up a few years ago with the tainted beers. That probably contributed to them probably putting out more beer, I guess, in response. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to owe it to. I mean, probably, yeah, we have a better beer scene here in Texas. Um, but it's probably part of the maturing of the industry. This artificial, I don't want to say artificial scarcity, but the scarcity problem sounds like it's kind of resolving itself in a lot of ways. Aside from your Jester Kings and, you know, their spawn releases. Three or Floyds. Three Floyds or yeah. Russian River. You know, you're plenty younger. There's still some scarcity things out there, but I, I think the big guys are, they got so much money now, they can afford to make good beers that aren't scarce anymore. They're better beers that aren't scarce. I feel I, like that's the, what I guess. I feel like there's a lot of stuff kind of tied to this, and some of it we actually touched on earlier. Like, for example, I mean, I hate to say it, but with all these rare releases, they have a tendency of being stouts or porters, and they have a tendency of also being barrel-aged in one way, shape, or form. But You're really, right, like 95% of them. Right. And so, at that point, like, how many bourbon barrel-aged stouts, like, can you, like, discern within a blind test? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, there's subtle differences here and there, but unless you've got your notes on untapped, like, very thoroughly written or something like that, you're more likely to not, not going to remember it. And so it becomes a little bit of all the same, uh, like, same old, same old, sure. A lot and like IPAs. I think, like, maybe people are focusing on kind of like what we were talking about, those styles where, like, a variety, like, within, like, saisons, sours, things like that, where there's a little bit more variety within within that particular style. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's why we see yep. we saw, like, community locally go for a rum barrel this year yeah. as opposed to doing right. a scotch barrel yeah um we've seen, seen people go for tequila barrels yeah. you know for yeah. and even though it's bourbon we've seen a lot of people using jack daniels barrels locally well, which is a different a much different bourbon flavor palette sure and i think i'm you know and honestly like i think what is kind of happening is also what i'm kind of seeing at least here in dfw where there's that uh sort of like where brew pubs, I feel like, are becoming more prevalent, especially in the suburbs. But, mm-hmm. you know, for example, whenever I went to uh, Denver, I visited uh, Avery Brewing. And, you know, it's interesting that, um, you know, they have taproom-only beers that you can get. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty rare stuff. So And a lot of people are, get hyped for it. But I think maybe the rare stuff is, just co- is not coming from the big guys, but rather... It could be coming from, like, the medium-tier people on a much smaller, more neighborhood sort of scale. You know, yeah. like with, oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, locally here, Brain Dead is, uh, like, has their bottle releases and whatnot. And they're not they're not that rare, but, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's still, like, you can't find them in stores, so they're rare right. in that regard. So I think that's maybe what people are kind of gravitating more towards is uh, like stuff that you can only get within a tap room and think that might be the new hotness. You think it's getting more fragmented based on neighborhood? I think so, yeah. And I mean, I don't know know if that's necessarily like a bad thing because I mean, ideally, like I feel like the brew pub model is kind of awesome in a lot of ways. I mean, unfortunately here in Dallas, we have 
you know, they all kind of start looking the same, like newly opened Union Bear. Just looking at the pictures, I'm like, it's every restaurant in Plano right now. With, <laughs> it looks like, oh, you right. got some wood, you got some, I don't know, industrial you, you, vibes. You have some, yeah, yeah, some exposed or, or, vents in the ceiling. And- right. Do you have a, do you serve your burger on like a big wooden block or something like that you know like it's it's all it's all really the same but yeah kind of getting ahead of that but um you know I, I i think also i mean you know if you've been drinking craft beer for a while it also does get a little repetitive like i know one of our favorites uh the pumpkinator from st yep. arnold in houston you know i found myself barely making an effort to try to find it and i love that beer but it's just like okay well what am like yeah. you know what am what can they really do at this point? Yeah. And you didn't have to make an effort for that either. That's another good no. example. Yeah, exactly. It was plentiful. Yep. Yeah, well, I exactly. think that's probably part of the reason why craft beer sales are falling yeah. is because some of the new hotness factor is worn off of craft beer. I'm not saying it's I would, yeah, all, I all say, it has, but I think some of that sheen is worn off. I would say a lot of it has, actually. Yeah. New hotness. I think it's becoming kind of just standard. And yeah. You know, and I guess my other question is, is that necessarily a bad thing? Because I actually kind of like that. I'd much rather have, you know, I can go to Crap Beer Cellar and pick up the Big Bad Baptist rare release, quote-unquote rare release, sometime in mid-January and not worry about it. Don't have to wait in line. I'm still going to buy it, and it's still going to be pricey, and they're still going to make a lot of money off of me. But I would rather do that that way than have to stand in some kind of line and like fight people for it or what yeah. you know what I mean. I mean I agree in because I, I think that's very much a good thing because honestly, part of the reason, for example, whatever I stopped making an effort to find KBS was when we I think all collectively all of us a few years back we realized that uh, the Big Bad Baptist is very similar to the KBS. So it's like okay, True. well if they can mass market this. Beer, what makes the KBS so much more difficult to find? Is it worth my effort? You know, like I mean, we're we're all busy people. Like all that that sort of effort of you know lining up since six a.m. to go get a raffle yeah. for a <laughs> Bourbon County variant. I mean, that's just like not. Really I have no feasible. desire to do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think mean, it, I think that it can like, and I think it just kind of uh, like those rare releases have a tendency of reinforcing the snobby beer drinker mm-hmm. stereotype when to me at least the whole purpose of craft beer is to bring people together to be like not this super snobby thing like wine is seen to be yeah. or prohibitively expensive as liquor can sometimes be you know right um it feels like it's just like the great unifier and i like that and i like that you know more people can get to drink the Canadian, uh, or is it Canadian bourbon style? Yeah, CBS. Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. Um, breakfast you know, style, like, Canadian yeah, breakfast, breakfast style. style yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a that's an overall positive thing. Yeah. Um, you know, because otherwise, uh, like, I know I used to bring beers to, like, my mom's uh, Thanksgiving dinners, and I'd be like, all right, guys, now you got to do, like, a tiny pour for this, like, boozy <laughs> beer. Uh, like, I don't know, it would probably right. be, like, a KBS or something like that. But now it's just like, eh, whatever, just uh Everybody can have as much as they want, you know? Yep, yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's a maturing consumer at the same time. I I think probably, I don't know, it's been going, craft beer is probably going for the last 10 years, has been on the rise. I mean, we've all changed. We've all matured personally. I, I don't drink as much as I used to um, most of the time. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a maturing consumer, too. Like, they probably, their tastes have refined and... Um, well, yeah, you're not busting out a bourbon barrel temptress of, of, as your fifth beer. I would yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
the consumers are, are, are changing as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. Also, let's not forget, too, and this has been something that's kept my craft beer consumption down a little bit this year, and maybe into 2018, is that all around, prices are going up, you know? I mean, you know, at bars, a pint of... Most of the time, you're not getting a full pint for for whatever beer you're ordering. And if you are, it's probably going to be closer to $10 than not. And it's like, well, that adds up. It's yeah. not like you can knock back a bunch. Well, it's just like a glass of wine at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's very true. Yeah, but also, like, I mean, I feel like you drink... you. You drink m- way more beer than you drink wine, you know? And, and it sickens me that people buy all these rare beers to trade for other right. things. Like, that whole industry, yeah. we've talked about that before, drives me nuts. Well, like, uh, my beer seller, uh, like, Cantillon beers are going for several hundred dollars for one beer. Yeah, forget that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, that, that side of the business is still not totally dead, but I think it's... I would hope I, that it's dying somewhat. I hope the avail- the availability of other other beers that are really good yeah. does actually maybe contribute to hurting that side of the business. Yeah, yeah, at least. I agree. Because honestly, I think that's like the aside from Facebook groups, I think that's the grossest part of craft beer. Yeah, fandom or whatever, whatever you want to yeah. call Facebook it. Facebook groups are the grossest. <laughs> but yeah, they are. yes, they are. Yeah. All right. So, any final 2017 thoughts or what you expect in 2018? Personally or for the industry? No, for the industry. I think we're going to continue to see the rise of lighter, sessionable beers. Uh, more flavor forward probably this year than I think session beers have been in the past couple years, at least locally. Uh, I'm not saying any of them are bad, but I think you can do a lot more with a session beer than people have tried to do at this point. So I think, obviously, I think Martin House, is, as we said, is a great example of what you can do with a Goza. Um, oh, yeah. Even their Imperial Gozas, which are only 7%, which are technically Imperial, but 7 or 8%, maybe. But I still need to try their cookies and cream. Oh, my yeah. God. That sounds so awesome. good. But, it, but it's a great <laughs> yeah. example of what you can do with a lighter beer and still have a lot of flavor and still have the satisfaction of a beer. I may have to swing by Good Friend after this just to try that. But that's what I would guess is we're yeah. going to continue to see probably, probably unfortunately or unfortunately, we'll probably see a trend locally towards the Northeast IPA, because there is a demand for it, like it or not. Uh, we may I still don't think that that's going to really hit. I I feel like I've only really heard... Well, only I've only heard of Union Bear. I mean, And uh, Rough Tail. Intrinsic's doing, doing it, too. Intrinsic, yeah. yeah. But those are more of the... Uh, those are like, small neighborhood. Small neighborhood yeah. breweries. I, I, think, bet, like, I bet we see some of the other guys break out one this this year. One of the, one of the bigger breweries locally. I'll bet somebody does. Yeah. I, Maybe. I think maybe people are, but also like I, I, going back to the maturing consumer and industry, I feel like maybe the bigger guys know that this is more of a trend, and maybe they don't want to waste the research. Maybe they want to maybe revamp some stuff. Um, True. You know, going back to uh, the trends, you know, um, I really do think that brew pubs are are going to continue uh, showing up here in Dallas. Um, I feel like there's actually there's a, there's another one in uh, up north in the suburbs that's uh, about to open up as well, but I would be more interested in seeing them in Dallas. Well, proper, Unlawful Assembly just opened in um, Plano. Yes, okay. and isn't there a TKO Libations? Is that sounds right? That yeah, I'm t- thinking about yeah. I haven't heard of that. So I, I think, feel like there's going to be a lot of that. Um, I think a lot of the more established people. Uh, uh, breweries, you know, like your communities, like Woods and all of that stuff. I think there's going to be 
I don't know if we're going to be seeing a lot of new stuff from them necessarily. Um, you know, maybe this m- we'll get into that news yeah. around yeah, Lakewood. Yeah, exactly. But but, yeah. but, but I feel like they're going to be. I think they're going to be pretty par on the course. You know, I feel like uh, you know, as far as local be- uh, breweries. Uh, you know, I feel like the the Petacolas guys, and I only say this because I've I've been through their tap room since it reopened. But uh, I feel like they're going to be continue coming out with more styles, which I think is is interesting to uh, is to get them. from them. I mean, yeah. we you know we've got some grin and tonic uh, glasses here on the table, and that was a delicious <laughs> beer that I didn't yeah. think that they would come up with. You That's know? true. So, yeah. It's yeah, so maybe TV. like maybe even cocktail beers that might be a trend yeah. for all we know. You know, like get 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 that flavor. Maybe, maybe well, it, they claim that you know craft cocktails are the millennial go-to yeah. over craft beers, so maybe they'll do the crossover. As a millennial, <laughs> I hope so. I feel like it's more of. I feel like nowadays, whatever I go out, I find myself either drinking cheaper beer, so like you know your Lone Star or Frio if they have it. Or a cocktail. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like, I think this is like a good in-between for sure. But again, it goes, you know, then there's the issue of every cocktail is like, what, now $15? So it's yeah. like, that's getting prohibitive yeah. too. Yeah, the price is... And with the light pour on that $15 yeah. cocktail. Maybe yeah. we'll see uh, Petticoles make a Clamato beer. <laughs> I hope no. not. No. Or really Michelada. No. <laughs> We'll make it. We'll see a Clamato pumpkin beer from uh, Michael Petticolis. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up ne- uh, next, we're going to do a little bit of a news roundup. News, news, news. <laughs> so, brews in the news, something we haven't done in many, many months. And we're going to pick it back up again, part of our uh, 2018 resolutions for a better podcast. I think it's informative and easy, so it's a win for both, <laughs> well, both us and the audience. I wasn't going to mention that, but sure. Well, uh, but it's a win for the audience. It is. Why, why not mention it? It's a win, 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 win. So we have a kind of a variety of stories here. Some are local, some are more national. Uh, the first one that I have listed here is the fact that uh, Lyft is actually branding their own lager uh, in conjunction with uh, Chicago's, uh, I guess, Baderbrow Brewing. I'm assuming why isn't that's how you say it, First of all, why isn't it Schraderbrow? They missed yeah. a golden marketing yeah. opportunity there. <laughs> that's true. Um, their five-star lager, they're actually branding with Lyft information. So basically, in the Chicago area, they're kind of rolling out this test plan to say, if you buy one of these lagers at the end of the night, you get a discount uh, on Lyft. And basically, that's to encourage you to drink a lighter beer at the end of the night yeah. and to have a Lyft coupon so you use them over Uber. Um, I was also going to ask you guys when you go for a ride chair, ride chair, a riding. You know, if you're if you're drunk and want to call yeah. some car uh, instead of a taxi, do you guys do Uber or Lyft, or do you just kind of see who's available? I do. I do Lyft um, mostly because I've I I don't know. I feel like I've spoken to enough drivers that do both, and they're always like, I'd rather do Lyft. Yeah. Plus, you know, a lot of Uber, them do both. Uber has. I feel like as the first guys around, like they've. They've always just given me a bad vibe, you know, between, like, um, what was it, uh, rigging their system so then local politicians couldn't get a ride from them or something like that to, like, circumvent. Uh, I hadn't heard that, actually. Yeah, uh, I need need to, I should have looked it up a little bit more. But, like, even, like, how they were trying to influence the law down in Austin, they were throwing a tantrum, like, no, you got to, you know, 
we can't do additional background checks for our drivers. How dare you? We're Although, in fairness, leave. Lyft left, too. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. But they were the ones that are that were lo- actively lobbying. And, um, and also, I mean, just like whatever they do, search pricing, you know, ahead of, I don't know, the yeah. taxi protests. Uh, you know, a lot of shady actual stuff. tragedies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just like... That, they that's, did surge pricing during the shootings in Vegas, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Well, on top of that, there's the whole Travis Kalanick kerfuffle, sexual harassment kerfuffle. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, that like, too. yeah, I tend to... I try to go for Lyft. Uh, I try to prefer them first. I've had better experiences overall with Lyft than I have Uber as well. So just a better ride experience than I have yep. with Uber. I mean, you remember the nut I'm, we had with uh, when we were left at concert at the House of Blues? I thought that was a Lyft guy. I'm pretty sure it was Uber. Okay, Anyways, maybe so. That guy was a complete nut. In fairness, I'd probably go for whoever's first available, but yeah I, yeah, I totally get your points for sure. But yeah, they're basically giving people um, uh, $5 off if you buy that logger. And enough to that, cover a tip, basically. Yeah, pretty much. So, would that encourage you all to actually go with Lyft? Uh, no, because I'm not going to buy a logger. So maybe well, if it yeah, were sure. a Bader Brow yeah. IPA or something. I mean, I get where they're coming from, but yeah, no, probably probably not. I mean, um, no, it's yeah, probably not my thing. <laughs> Me neither. Actually, I don't think I mean, that would have any know, effect on which one I chose. Also, like, I feel like a lot of these coupons for the rideshares are like. For the first time, use only. So, I mean, I'm. Are they actually willing to take a five dollar hit on all on all new rides? You know, because in, in, in the full article, yeah, yeah. In the full article, it did look like that they will give you five dollars off any time you do that. Yeah. So okay. it's not it's not a one time code. Okay. It's a one time code when you get it for that day, but you can get another sure. one the next day. Well, the other right. interesting thing that I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard it from a tech podcast talking about how. Uber, at least, is already operating at a $4 billion loss a year. If they were to actually... If they actually Amazon wanted to... Kind of thing too. I know, but I'm saying if they actually wanted to meet their budget requirements, they would have to charge just as much as, if not more, than a regular taxi service. Wow. So but, you know, I bet people well, would pay sure the premium for the fact that you don't have to deal with I taxi would. drivers. I would. And, I mean... Still cheaper know, than DUI. Not yeah. to be super cynical, but honestly, with all of these uh, internet startups, the novelty of them is that they're not being regulated like the much bigger industries are, so that's why they seem like they've got a benefit. But, like, everything eventually, you know, eventually the reality comes that, you know, regulations, laws are going to be a part of it, and it's going to drive up costs, and then eventually, yeah. like, the... You know we're going to be paying the same same amount, and it might not be as like it might not be cheaper than taxis sooner it, than later. Exactly what's going to happen to Mark and all of his cryptocurrency holdings exactly. whenever it's regulated. Well, honestly, if the ta- if the taxi industry would stop resisting progress and make an effort to make their cars better, their drivers better, and provide an on-demand service like that, and they would actually show up when you call for a car. That's kind of my point. Then the maybe they can compete. Tracking that Uber yeah. or Lyft gives you. Yeah, you I know, do like, like that for sure. Yeah. But you know, also there are really weird and shady ways of circumventing that. So you know, like I don't know. I've I've heard uh, horror stories of how sometimes drivers can gain the system so then they make it seem like they've been waiting for you and they make you cancel and then they get five dollars right but you didn't know that they were there um so you know there's there's a lot of shadiness that may or may not have happened to me in florida so right i I totally understand that and that was from uber yeah it's bs 
but to me, um, so. if they're going to go ahead and roll this out, I would say I don't know that you necessarily have to add on the quote-unquote bonus benefit of making it attached to a lager specifically. Yeah. Like, yeah. How about any beer that's, like, if you're about to close out your last beer of the night, you get a $5 discount from Lyft. I think anybody would go, eh, $5 off, I might as well do that. You know, I think I yeah. think that would actually drive more business. Well, places like, um, we were just talking about this before in, the, in between segments, but like Buffalo Wild Wings, they serve beer, or Fox and Hound, they're a national chain, right. or insert name of really famous bar. If they were to partner with these ride services. Well, throw on, like, Hooters or I feel anything. like that's way more efficient. Twin Peaks, like they yeah. could actually do a good thing and turn a profit there by saying, "Hey, we'll give you you know a forty percent discount on the ride if you use them instead of you know taking your car because you've had one too many." Right. And they yeah. would do themselves a good turn by providing that service for their customers. It's a good idea because too many drunk people drive around yeah. still exactly. even with yeah. these. So yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Why didn't somebody hire Burbloods to find uh, <laughs> drunk solutions to your problems? Hmm. Well, maybe we can make an effort. And I wonder if it's ironic, and Bader Brow uh, Lager is not really a five-star beer. Yeah. That's what I'm going to guess. I mean, have we heard of anything from them? Like, I, I, I haven't. I have not. It's just Honestly, Bader Brow sounds like one of those, quote, craft, you know, brands yeah. in some big conglomerate's portfolio. Right. Yeah. Probably so. So next up is a story around Alexa. Which is a an Amazon branded? Uh, what do you even call that? A whole home solution? You ask it questions. Smart home solution you yeah. stuff. I, you know, I don't. I don't know what what facet of society yeah. you put that in or home, uh, home spying software. Yeah, maybe I, w- so. I would say it's uh, you know uh, yet another data gathering device oh, that we sure. willingly yes. purchase and bring into our lives. Alexa, buy lube. So- <laughs> <laughs> now Alexa is incorporating as everything is these days, and will going forward. They're incorporating machine learning. Yeah. So Alexa is becoming its own thing to where it will make suggestions for anything under the sun, including what's the best movie to watch, what's yeah. the best TV show I'm not watching, etc. Well, one of the things they are doing is uh, is beer. So apparently, uh, one of the examples that was given in the story that I read here said that uh, somebody asked Alexa what's her personal favorite beer. Now, remember, this is supposed to not be a programmer. This is supposed to be coming from Alexa directly. Right. And Alexa said... Uh, it's definitely Budweiser. Yeah, I, now, but I, since there is a sponsorship working its way into well, the that's what I was going to ask. For one, how does a machine know what beer tastes best? I don't know yeah. how you can possibly teach a machine that. The only machine learning has plenty of application, but to taste, it seems impossible. The only way again, I could guess knows how to dispose of a body, so yeah. what's, what's the precedent with that? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing by min- maybe it's basing it on mentions on the web, like average brand hit on the web or something I like mean, that? I mean, I imagine it would probably be a combination of how many people search for this one thing, you know, any given time period, yeah. then uh, what your order history is, and then other people around you. Yeah. You know, so it's like... Sure. But yeah, it's supposed no. to be based on, purely based on machine learning. How can machine learning occur based on taste and a palate. That's one thing a computer well, cannot do. These computers don't have any taste. They don't. Boosh. They can't, can they? Yeah, I don't I don't understand all the facets of machine learning, but it, in theory you should have thousands of data sources shaping your end result. Yeah. Right. Uh, if, if feeding if, into the if system constantly. If the best beer is Budweiser, then your data source is very limited or very bad. Yes. <laughs> yep. I would say definitely very bad. Very bad, for sure. So sad. Uh, up next, there is a, the next two stories get a little more local. 
Uh, the next one up is a Prosper Man, Mark's old hometown. It is. Um, it says he has a Texas-sized beer can collection. Ah, that's unquote. doubtful. Um, so a, a guy named Edward Hicks uh, has been collecting beer cans since he was nine years old. Uh, he has beer cans dating back to World War II, or actually back to the 1930s. And um, he basically has several different shelves in his house, has them all lined up, and that's what he collects versus any other collectibles like coins, stamps, whatever you want to say. But how many cans is Any Texas other lonely size? guy stuff? <laughs> yeah, any other lonely guy stuff, yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Nerds! Uh, he says he does it mostly not for making any kind of profit, because I don't know that he could, but he says it's more about... Uh, Remembering things and having memories tied to the cans when he collected them with his father and other other situations. Have you sure, guys known lovely. anybody that actually collects beer bottles or beer cans or anything like that? Because I have. I uh, mean, I feel like I don't know. College age hobby was collecting random beer cans and whatnot, but it was more of that annoying thing where you put it on top of your kitchen cabinets during yeah. a party. You're like, "Well, oh, man, we drink so much," <laughs> uh, so, but. Adult meat, no. Yeah. Does my uh, extremely alcoholic stepfather throwing his case after case of Budweiser cans into the back of an orange Datsun pickup, does that count for can collecting? If you put them on a shelf in your house, then it does. Oh, no. If you did not, then no. If that shelf was a broken down orange Datsun in our front yard, of which he would fill up a battery a month, literally fill up the back end of that Datsun with Budweiser cans, of which then I would turn around and sell them for money. Uh, if that's collecting, then sure. Well, yeah, but that's just the <laughs> aluminum can cash. It's yeah. not the actual value no. of the individual beer bottle. Hey, we yes. had a collection of cans. They were just okay. all Budweiser. Um, but do you think that's a weird hobby? I'll ask you that. Because we're, we're uh, all you know, into beers and, and stuff. I mean, I guess to teach his own, but to me, that's a little bit odd. I think I think the only time I would be interested to see that, like the Carlsberg uh, brewery in Sweden or Denmark, wherever it is, they have... A museum of their own cans. They have a giant collection of their own cans, but that makes sense. It's sure. their cans throughout the years. If you're the company that is making that product, that makes sense. Or if you're going to create a perhaps an alcoholic beverage museum, yeah. something like that, sure. But well, just for your home display, I don't know. And to me, if you're somebody that's collecting cans that go back to the 30s, yeah, I kind of understand that more than people I've known. There's actually a couple I knew that uh, me and a former friend of mine tried to start a brewery with that had several shelves in their house. That had all kinds of local beer bottles and cans that they put all they they made like several wooden shelves and displayed them all. Yeah, uh, or or their favorite stuff. Just don't me, see the value in that. That's it's a waste I mean, of space. If you want to do it, whatever you got the space. But to me, that's a little bit odd. It, yeah, I would say as somebody that's uh, grappling with his own collecting habits, you know, like <laughs> I've got my transforming toy robot collection, sure, um, and other assorted trinkets. You know, like I just really. I'm trying to think. I'm I'm trying to refine it and condensing and trying to be better about it. But you know, now I've gotten to this point where you know, either due to space or you know, funds, you know, paying for a wedding or whatever, helping pay for a wedding, um, like all that's becoming more limited. And I can't imagine that cans are necessarily as expensive as importing Japanese transformers. Definitely not. But <laughs> but at the same time, it's like then it becomes. A weird sort of burden on you because like anything that you collect if you think about it if anything that you collect you then have to get rid of which again with cans is not as bad but then whatever you're talking on the scale that this guy is talking to like that's going to be such a beating to like oh, just yeah. get rid of or whatever and i get that yeah. there's a sort of uh historical aspect to it sure 
But, you know, it could easily be, you know, like, do you really need to have the, the can itself? Could you not take a picture of it and maybe be like, hey, contact the breweries. Be like, hey, y'all, I've got all of this stuff from way back when. Let me hook you up with some pictures if you need them and just, like, maybe... Yeah, or they give can it back keep to it in their museum, you know, like Carlsberg yeah. or whatever. You know, something like something else. But I mean, a museum makes more sense than your own personal collection. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because I mean, what do you like? What's the who, point? Yeah, who, who's the audience? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. it's like I mean, yep, it's a lot of cans. You know, like yeah, exactly. Because then at that point, like, here's <laughs> yeah. what you know, and that's another thing too. Is like whenever it comes to collecting anything, yeah, sure, quantity can be really impressive but then your arse your eyes start glaze over just like oh yet another yeah. cylinder with a design uh but rather what what's i would be more interested in what he thinks right. are the rare or not rare but like the more important or historically significant ones. those are the ones that yeah. i think should be not just another just for the sake of keeping everything you know yeah. like you don't need to be a I mean, if we, showed up, if we showed up at Marx's house and he's like, man, I got this third bedroom. Let me go ahead and bring you guys in here. And it was full of old cans. Like, what do you guys think? And we're like beer fans. I'd be like, that's great, Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would also think that he might have like a murder dungeon. <laughs> yeah, true. That is my murder dungeon. I fill the cans with the blood of my the victims. Cans, yeah. and I wait, wait them. why is there all this plastic on the floor? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Very, very dexter of you. Well, it's very poor reporting by uh, NBC5 there because they don't tell you how many cans they got. What constitutes an, a Texas-sized collection? I looked on the original article. Yeah, that's true. They don't. Like, it better be, to be really Texas-sized, it better be the size of Texas. Yeah. Or, get, or yeah, GTFO. It's got to be massive. Yes. Yeah. So, lastly, a um, little interesting news came out of one of our local favorite breweries, Lakewood. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that they are putting... Several, several of their brands in the quote-unquote vault. I don't know what that means if they're going to come out and bring these out sometime later. But for 2018, they're not making several of their standard issue brews, and those do include the Mole Temptress, the Cinnamon Temptress, Temptress, the Raspberry Temptress, Hopachondria, No, Punkle, Holiday Bonus, Goatman, and the most surprising to me, Hop Trap. They're replacing all of those. Um, looking at their 2018 release, uh, it looks like for the Temperance variants, uh, they are going to do a couple. They're still going to do the BBT. They're also going to do the um, Coconut Temperance and the French Quarter Temperance. But that is it. Well, they've got two other That's ones. That's crazy because, especially with the Coconut Temperance. But they've got a Tennessee Temperance with Jack Daniels. They've got two more Temperances coming. So I'm guessing it's just too much. Like, Plus, yeah, the Tennessee Temperance. I have true. to question how, like, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but I have to say that. I, this has to be somewhat of a brand attraction because maybe, maybe those the cinnamon, the raspberry, and the mole weren't selling as well as they should have. But I mean, especially the cinnamon. Like I thought that that one was the banger. You know, oh, like, I love that beer. Uh, personally, yeah. aside from the bourbon barrel one, I think the cinnamon's the best. You know, well, I'm a big frankly, fan of the French Quarter. I kind of like the raspberry too. Like I'm surprised yeah. any of them. I feel like all the temptress variants that they would have kept those around. So I kind of wonder if maybe some of this is kind of pushed based on what we talked about in the first segment of. Maybe some people have fatigue of the same things yeah. coming out over and Could over be. again. They got to come out with the new hotness. Now, Plus, I'm not. I'm not going to object to the fact that they're releasing the coconut temperatures because that. Oh yeah, that's great. But is it is it uh, bourbon barrel aged coconut? No, no, it's not. It doesn't, barrel, look, I mean? it doesn't look like it. But I mean, even the regular coconut temperatures yeah. is good. Yeah, it is. And that is a nice 
it's a nice change up. I mean, I get that, but still, I'm surprised they're not doing all of them. But you also got to consider the number of beers they're adding to the portfolio this year. Like, I'm guessing they maybe they just want to try something new and see what what starts a fire under the pants of the consumer. You know, well, yeah. in the, the hypochondria, that one really surprises me. That does surprise me. I thought me. that would be a nice yeah. session IPA. I mean. Um, Oh, yeah, because I because I love that the hypochondria and the easy peasy are my go to craft summer beers. Well, I was also uh, going to say you know, that uh, they are replacing the hop the hop trap with a new liquid IPA, quote unquote. So we'll see what see what that happened. Yeah, or it's supposed to be a tap room only exclusive until uh, March. Yeah, should be interesting. We should uh, head up there sometime. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Just and they have another one coming called Jacked Up Lemon Ale. I wonder if that's going to like be something like Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> Because I didn't say exactly yeah, what it is, but that, a lemon-based beer that's aged in, in that, uh, that were uh, well, or it could bottles. be like I wonder if it's got like a hot toddy kind of vibe, you know? Like I well, mean, aside from yeah, honey, you've got all the ingredients right there, you know. And they have two new IPAs, really. They got the Liquid IPA and they got the Cold Front, which is also a new IPA. Um, so that's not coming out till later in the winter in November, but. These are two IPA replacements. And may, maybe with these new beers coming online, maybe they just didn't have the uh, space to make those beers, the facility to make all those beers, and put out these new ones at the same time. Well, and then beyond that too, they got the sour program that's got to be hit yeah. at some point, right? I mean, I think it's interesting it's though, because out. like, is it okay? I mean, if you think about it though, this is a very clever way for one of our more established older breweries to kind of gain some. Like, I mean, the fact that we're all like. A buzz with speculation and uh, and whatnot is is interesting, right? Because like, what else would they would they really do at this point to kind of look and feel relevant? I mean, thankfully they're not going with the uh, you know New England IPA trend or anything <laughs> like that, but rather they're just kind of refining some other some other stuff. I mean, yeah. because the hop trap. I mean, yeah, sure, it was like really really drinkable and whatnot, but I mean, I never really grabbed it, grabbed for it. You no, know? I, didn't, like, I didn't either. I, the only reason I noted that one is because it was one of their founding ones that they always had year-round. But you know, I one mean, thing about... Same with the Lakewood. Well, I was going to say Lakewood Lager, but I just saw it right here, so never mind. One thing about Lakewood is they've never been... They've never hesitated to try something new and pull back some of those brands when they felt they needed to. Like, they've never held on... They're, I think they have been really good about not holding on for too long yeah, onto one brand. Like, they're... They are definitely willing to pivot every year and try something a little bit different. And I, I don't know about sales numbers, but maybe they just had too much on the shelf and they decided we need to pull back for a while and try something different. Well, and to that kind of point, uh, I also think they do really good servicing the casual beer drinker with the yeah. alcohol and the liquid lager and that kind of stuff. And then the temptress variants and, and maybe this new liquid IPA. Maybe they feel like they needed to make the hop trap a little more bold. Yeah. I don't know what the liquid IPA tastes like, but that's kind of my assumption that there's so many more IPAs on the market that they're going to have to do something a little bolder than the Hop Trap. It yeah. was kind of a, I don't know, I hate to like run them down at all, but I feel like that was kind of a weaker IPA. That would have been like one of the yeah. last IPAs I ever went for. So maybe they're trying to they're trying to kind of compete with other people that have come along since they came along in 2012 yeah. and change it up a little bit. And I mean, I was going to say, um, you know, I don't know if this is... Uh, well, I don't know if this is the final plans or anything like that, but it looks like, I mean, they're also kind of reducing their canning uh, production. You know, now, now that you've got yeah. only four, 
Uh, I'm just trying to look at the patterns here, but like you've got the uh, the dry hop summer pills, the all call uh, liquid lager and liquid IPA. Those are going to be the only canned ones. Everything else is going to bottle. So I do wonder if maybe they're they're just seeing, even though you know canning is still sort of the new hotness, that maybe for True. them it was being a bit of a waste. Yeah, that's true. And like Mark was talking about earlier, uh, they are some of the, or they are one of the breweries trying uh, Jack Daniels whiskey barrels. Yeah, which that was Lakewood prior to them with the legendary. It was one of their milk stouts. They had a, or no, who was it? Or no, that was Jameson. Sorry. Yeah, James. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, Deep Ellum, right? Did yeah, that Jameson. was Deep Ellum. Yeah, That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, no, no, no. But this is yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine. All right, well, there's a little bit of a bruise of news to get you started for 2018. Well, thanks for listening to episode 126 of Brew Bloods. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should be. It's absolutely free. Just go to brewbloods.net to find all the links, or you can find us in just about any podcast app. And in 2018, you should make a resolution to tell a friend about our show. They would appreciate it, and so would we. If you have any feedback on the show, you can find us on all the social channels as at BrewBloods, or you can email us at BrewBloodsShow at gmail.com. So, for Dustin and Javi, I'm Mark saying, Prost. <laughs>